0: Welcome back to Queer Conversation. If you are a fan of Eurovision, there is a good chance that you have heard of Haley Tansor. Despite the recent Omicron wave in Europe, Tansor decided to travel to San Marino to perform in the San Marino Eurovision contest. What happened in San Marino? Was Tansor successful? Let's find out. Welcome Tansor to um, your conversation today. Really happy to have you here. Thank
1: you so much for having me. You just come back from Europe, I believe. I got back from Rome in late February. I spent two months across Rome, London, and San Marino, um, and yeah, just just got back, just in time for Mardi Gras. We've
0: just seen the video and your type of performance, which um, kind of um, aligns very much with um, the creative um, craziness of Eurovision that we often see and um, uh, been obsessed with Eurovision <laughs> since you were a teenager. Tell us about your journey and um, uh, where, why you went to Europe and um, you did perform again to try to, to enter your song with Eurovision.
1: When I was a child my family lived in Rome, Italy And that's when I first saw Eurovision on telly. And I was, of course, mesmerized as many children would be. Um, coming back to Australia in my teens, you know, is an awkward time for most teenagers. But, um, I had the, the added, the added thing of being a bit eccentric. And as you can tell, (laughs) and, and, um, extremely tall with a funny accent and you know culturally a little bit shocked and um, I retreated into this fantasy world of disco and make-believe and play and and what I understand now you know was a lot of queer art and and queer music um, and Eurovision was a big part of that. Um, I've been making my own kind of escapist fabulous world for several years and if I had a dollar for the amount of time as people have said have you ever thought of entering Eurovision? Have you ever heard of the Eurovision Song Contest? Um, and so after the pandemic, after two years of doing nothing, I thought, what has stopped me from trying? Um, I enter my songs every year for Australia, um, and I haven't been chosen or shortlisted, I think because Australia has their own. Their own criteria, I think, I, I think they prefer the kind of performers who they've seen on television already. Um, and so despite my obvious blaring Eurovision aesthetic, um, Australia didn't choose me. So I started investigating, why don't I try out for another country? At which point I realized that the small, landlocked, most serene republic of San Marino had opened their competition this year to entrants from all over the world. That is amazing because mm. normally,
0: I guess, um, countries only take their own people, right? Like, um, uh, I'm not sure how it works from country to country, but... Is that the only
1: country that accepts outside submissions? or It does change from country to country, as, as I found out. For example, um, I could have entered for Sweden if I had a Swedish songwriter or a Swedish member of my crew, for example. Um, there are other countries like Malta, Montenegro, um, Germany, where you had to be. From that country, or at least a, an EU resident. Um, so, yeah, but San Marino only has 33,000 people in the whole country. Um, and they had decided to do this big campaign together with San Marino Tourism to welcome all the desperate Eurovision wannabes from all around the world to come and try their luck. Yeah, mm-hmm. so when I first decided to go, I would wake up every day to like 20 DMs in my Instagram from my friends saying, oh, Oh my God! I heard you'd going Eurovision are you going to Italy? What are you doing? What are you doing? So I started speaking to my phone going, all right, guys, here's the update. You know, here's the insane, you know, because we were all still suffering from lockdowns. There was still quite a bit of COVID lockdown vibes happening. Um, and I was figuring out whether it was possible. Started talking to my phone. All of a sudden, people I didn't know were writing to me saying, I'm so invested in this. So I kept up these kind of video diaries against my, you know, natural judgment, because before that, I was a bit hesitant to, I felt. It was a bit cringy to speak to my camera. I laugh now because I do it all the time, um, and yeah, my my journey began at Christmas. I landed on Christmas Eve in Rome. I left early because Italy had started closing its borders. Yes, It was the height of Omicron. I think it was close to Ukraine and Singapore at the time. Of course, I was like, I cannot lose my chance. So I went early to Rome and spent an idyllic fortnight on my own, just wandering the city during Christmas. And it was... A really magical time for me returning to my childhood home for the first time since I was a kid, but also it was my childhood dream and, and all the memories and emotions that that brings back as well as the the grand scale of what I was about to embark on. I had to face my imposter syndrome. I had to face the fact that I hadn't performed a lot for two years. I felt like a bit out of practice. You know, what are you, why are you doing this? You know, what if you fail? You know, like you're not a television singer. You're not this. You're not this. All these emotions kind of flooded forth and, um, made me extremely introspective, emotional, but hopeful in a way that I will never forget and am still trying to retain in my life and through that journey all the people following me as i kind of got very vulnerable on social media i remember there was one night in particular where i was crying on a yoga mat eating carrots going what am i doing um that um yeah all that happened before i even made it to san marino mm-hmm. just just kind of remembering things about my childhood my late father like it, I was already full of emotion and, and hope and, and, excitement before I even got there. Wow.
0: What a journey. I mean, this is where artists like yourself would draw a lot of, um, inspiration for creating new work in the future as well, I would think. But, um, so you
1: submitted your song, um, Fantasy. Yeah, I submitted a song fantasy, sorry to cut you off, and that there was another song because they required two, and you were saying new work Um, because I didn't have a second song that was appropriate for Eurovision. I've got many that would have worked that were released already. Um, I wrote a new one while I was in the hotel room to bring to San Marino that was inspired by where I was. It was a very universal, kind of very simply written, lyrically, half Italian, half English love song. But it was a little bit orchestral, a little bit soundtrack, because I was trying to summon the majesty of Italian cinema and stuff. And, and I guess the emotional and stuff. I was trying to summon the emotional... Um, scale of what I was experiencing within the song. Um, so yeah, it did inspire new work, and I brought two songs to San Marino. Mm. Beautiful.
0: Looking at your videos, you are performing with um, a group of people, and I don't really see you as a single performer. Not sure if I'm right or not, but when you went to San Marino, did you go by yourself or did you travel with
1: your, with your support group of people? It's so interesting that you say that because, um, my, before I did the Tanza solo project, I was always the front woman of a band and I was used to playing in an ensemble with instruments. And when I, created this project all of a sudden I felt so exposed and almost not like a real musician because I was just singing there were no instruments um, so I started inviting my friends who are performance artists, dancers, drag artists to be a part of my performances, to be a part of my videos. I love to involve my community in Melbourne in everything I do because um, I feel like the music is and the project is legitimately inspired by where I've come from, my, my influences growing up. I'm actually from Sydney. I grew up in Sydney in queer spaces as a DJ, as a performer, as a front woman of those bands. Um, and so it was natural in creating this project to always be surrounded by, you know, the people who continue to inspire me and support me and vice versa, my collaborators. Um, when I went to... San Marino I had invited my friends to come with me but of course the cost is exorbitant mm. um, and everybody had gigs or COVID or both and um, it was just too hard and so we'd actually made a pact if I made the grand final some of them would come <laughs> like that was the deal and yeah. so I'd sent them the dates just in case I made it. Yeah so I, I'd gone on my own and it had really forced me to kind of look at who I was as a singular performer and kind of realize that I can do it on my own, you know, that, that, that I do have that presence, that I do have that confidence. And I think part of me unconsciously was using, especially on stage, using my friends. Of course, they're amazing. Of course, I'm so lucky to have them. And it's such a spectacle to paint the full fantasy, but it definitely gave me the confidence to realize that I can actually hold this on my own and I always could. Um, I just think I had that thing that especially a lot of women have who come from rock music because I've shared this story with a lot of my peers in that world. Um, when you grow up in rock music, particularly with boys playing instruments behind you and I did, you often feel like you're not a real performer, you're not a real musician. Of course I do but I think there was a subconscious thread inside me that was just like you need to legitimise yourself yourself as a stage act, as a performer, you cannot stand there on your own and hold a show. Of course I can. Mm-hmm. And um, and the trip solidified that for me.
0: Wow. Well, so that would have been a, a very much a spiritual journey. Um, regardless that they didn't accept your song, unfortunately, what will happen to ten sort the of performer now after the last rejection? Will you go on? With Eurovision, or are you moving into a new area
1: that, you know, a different kind of creative outlet? It's funny, the rejection hit hard for me because. Prior to Tanza, as I said, I was the front woman of a lot of rock bands. And particularly when I was very young, I had that traditional music industry experience of being developed by a major label, you know, being taken on and rejected by managers, you know, getting criticism, you know, for music and looks and things like that as I was growing up, as I was very formative. And it brought back a lot of those feelings. I, I feel like I'd avoided, I created this whole project so I I could be immune from the traditional <laughs> music industry, immune from having to enter competitions, immune from judgment where I could just truly be myself and any imperfection was a feature. And so suddenly being in a competition with a bunch of amazing singers, you know, kind of talent show X Factor singers, you know um, – a lot of them who were singing covers really beautifully and I was coming in very vulnerable with my own song, a song that I'd written just for the competition as well in my full splendor. I felt wonderful on stage because I've been doing this for so long that, and and I'd put so much meditation and, 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 and ruminating into the process that I felt great by the time I was on stage. But... um yeah, I certainly felt like the product of everything I'd created for myself was on stage for judgment by these three 60-year-old Italian judges who were sitting there frowning at me. And I was there being fabulous. And at the end, it was just like, thank you, next. Not <laughs> um, Yeah, and But I thought I did so well because in the room – all the San Marino organizers really loved me. And I think because I turned up and I was the moment and I can speak Italian and like, I think they saw me as being a, like, like a good part of the competition for them, like a bit of color, a bit of razzle dazzle. And, um. So I felt quietly confident and wasn't expecting to get knocked out straight away. I thought they might at least keep me on for the novelty factor, but they cut me out straight away and it was devastating at first. But, um, because I had optimistically booked my trip as if I was going to make it the whole way through, I thought I could go home with my tail between my legs or I could explore Everything there is to offer about being overseas for the first time in years, about being here with a suitcase full of costumes, um, and all these fabulous things started to happen. All these bad things happened first. I broke my foot. I found out my grandmother had died who I was very close to in Australia, um, and I'd missed the funeral because my, my audition happened, my parent, my mum didn't want me to, um, be upset on the day and, It was a very dark time and, oh, and I lost my passport and I met a weirdo on the train that tried to stalk me. All this crazy stuff happened in the space of two weeks and I woke up and I'm like, I've got a choice here, how to react. And I decided to just go for it. And I had the most amazing adventures. I created new work while I was over there. I went to Rome Fashion Week. I got to DJ there. I got to be on the runway in crutches. Um, but to circle back to the original um, question, I feel like the rejection in the end didn't feel like one because the back in San Marino, the competition was won by a very prominent Italian celebrity that made me think, maybe they weren't going to give it to any of us anyway. Maybe it was always the plan just to have this gorgeous tourism campaign and then give it to this very famous, you know, because it was a real coup for San Marino to have this very famous Italian celebrity called Achille Lauro um, represent them. Um, and he could also bankroll... His production, I actually saw it on YouTube yesterday, he's got this huge, very expensive pyrotechnic stage show that the San Marino network would never be able to afford. I wouldn't be able to afford it. Mm. So I get it. And it made me go, instead of a rejection, I felt like it was a gift to say, spend less time pursuing this and spend more time creating and meeting people and doing all the things that I ended up doing. So in answer to your question... Um, of course, I'll continue submitting songs to Eurovision in Australia every year. It's not going to hurt me. Um, but I feel like I've opened the door, not only to new opportunities for myself in Europe, um, where I would like to relocate, I think, like even maybe for a year or two, um, just to, just for the adventure, um, and just to be closer to the hub of things and more opportunities. Um, but also it opened me up. To parts of myself that I didn't know were there, and and mm. and my gumption and and my the fearlessness that that I doubted I had when I was sitting on my couch in Melbourne, going, should I do this? Wow! So
0: that that answers my question, and that's really like inspirational that you're actually are able to pick you up after. Um, that defeat, it would be, would be heartbreaking the way you are explaining it, not only from an artistic, um, kind of disappointment that you felt and the, the time and, um, work you put in, but also all those really terrible things that happened to you in those two weeks that would have been, um, something so hard to pick yourself up from. So good on you for doing this and, um, you, I'm sure you are an inspiration for many people who followed you, um, through social media and, um, the fan base, I'm sure has carried you through, um, taking the next step and being, you know, proactive and continue to be creative. And I'm interested to find out, um, going away a little bit from Eurovision now about the Tensor project. Which looks really quite fascinating. Looking at it's so it's a mix of an of an visual art installation.
1: Explain it to us. So in creating the project that was immune to judgment in the music industry, um, I've also be able been able to tie it into everything I want to do, and. So, even though i'm a singer it doesn't mean i can't be a music video director it can't mean i can't go into visual art I obviously d j as well um, i can do I, I do a little bit of creative direction even um, a few years ago I even uh, collaborated on a fashion release in Melbourne um, and it was all under the same name um, and it's just been so fabulous to be able to do, p- pursue all the creative avenues I've ever dreamed of, um, within, you know, w- w- within my limitations, <laughs> within financial limitations and, you know, life limitations. Um, but yeah, I, last year I released, I released, I launched, there you go, the terminology changes according to what field I'm talking about. Um, I launched my first video art installation called Disco Instamatic um, that was a room-size music video installation starring 20 of my friends from the Melbourne queer community um, and it was a study of the image, the self-portrait, um, and the projected stage persona versus the person behind the mask. Um, it was kind of a performance study. I appeared in it myself, but my capacity was mainly as the director and I, I guess the artist, um, in, in developing these portraits with all the 20 people. Um, yeah. And I just, I feel so lucky that I'm able to do something like that and for it to be the same project as my music video that we just saw before because mm-hmm. um, it is and and the music that plays over the installation is my composition and, yeah, it all ties in together.
0: And there is a second installation coming up in Melbourne, Gold Coast and Canberra. Can you talk about that or is that yeah. still under embargo?
1: No, no, that's okay. Um the installation is actually, uh, the tour of that same installation. Okay. Um, I'll be showing it in the Gold Coast in July. Um, and hopefully Canberra next year. Um, that one's not confirmed. Um, but I will be, I have been commissioned to do a second artwork that's still in pre-development. Um, next year for Midsummer Festival in Melbourne that can hopefully tour as well. Right. Yeah. And, Lastly,
0: you just launched last week, early May, your
1: latest single or mini album. Yes, both. Both. Yeah, both came out same day. It's called Disco Automatic. So That's see right. how like they, t- they kind of tie in together. Yeah. Um, Disco Automatic is a lyric from the first track, Deep Fried Disco. And, um, it's a mini album, meaning it's six original songs and five remixes, um, that kind of and, and it's very varied. <laughs> the, the, the songs kind of play from different genres. I was quite greedy. I wanted to just tap a little bit into like everything that inspires me. There's like a sci-fi theme song. There's a big 90s banger kind of queer dance floor anthem that there's, there's a, There's a kind of almost Kylie Minogue, gold frappy, dreamy, kind of doomed Giorgio Moroder love ballad. Um, there, there's a, there's a 70s funk kind of disco song sung by my drag king alter ego, which is another thing that I do. Um, and yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's a lovely mad collection, um, of everything I do, which I thought was a pretty appropriate intro. I think to the project and I'm really proud of it, but all I can think about is making my new album now. (laughs) It's, it's, it's like, I feel like I've started all these little ideas and I love the feedback I'm getting. Everybody likes a different pocket and there are heaps of people that like the Drag King song, which was really surprising. The pit, that's like, that's my favorite song. And it's, it's, um, it's been so exciting to hear how people are interacting with the, this kind of, Strange combination of ideas. And your costumes. You look fantastic today. <laughs> Thank you. Jennifer. Um, you could, you designed them yourselves? Um, yes, I did design this, but I cannot sew or construct. And <laughs> I have, um, I have a community of incredibly gifted friends, costumiers. And this one was made by a Melbourne costumier named Frockhard. Yeah. I, I came to him with a drawing. And said, and and a bag of this fabric. And I said, Can you turn this bag of canary yellow American (laughs) cheese sequin into this drawing? And he said, Absolutely. And here we are. Here
0: you are. (laughs) You look fabulous. Thank you. Is that something you would wear at Mardi Gras?
1: Yeah, I, d- yes. I did wear this at one of my Mardi Gras shows. I'm wearing this on the cover of my record, um, and I first, th- I first, this was one of the costumes in my bag that I thought I could wear um, in the Eurovision competition, which I thought was quite fitting. But we didn't quite get that far. Yeah, not a shame.
0: They're um, um, yeah, lost. Yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and. Next week, you're back in Sydney, right? You are DJing at a Sydney Fashion Week.
1: I'm singing at Sydney you're Fashion Week. You're singing
0: at a DJ Fashion Week. Yeah, yeah. Week. That's a great gig.
1: Yeah, it's fabulous. There's um a really incredible label in Sydney called Nickel and Ford um, who are doing a runway for which I'm singing my song um, as the model's walk. So I'm getting dressed and reimagined into one of their muses and it's going to be really beautiful. I'm really excited. So when are you thinking of going back to Europe? I was going to say i don't want to jinx it but i feel like words become reality right Mm -hmm. so i will be going to milan in september for milan fashion week thank you tensor for today's interview really appreciate it and good luck
0: with everything in the future
1: thank you so much it's been such a pleasure
0: if you like to support tensor make sure to follow her on instagram at tensor 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 And if you enjoy your conversation, make sure to follow us on all our channels or check out our website on lotl.com, where you can find 30 years of archive of Lottl magazine. My name is Silke Bader and thank you for your company.